Hey, thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. You just heard one of my favorite artists of all time, Teddy Pendergrass, singing When Somebody Loves You Back. And he's going to help us kick off a whole year at DivaBetic where we're saluting and playing the music of male recording artists. You know, last year we featured the divas. This year we're featuring the dudes. And I wanted to kick it off with Teddy Pendergrass because offstage he fought to educate people about how to treat people in wheelchairs with respect, and he also raised awareness for the simple fact that disability doesn't mean inability, and I love those words of inspiration. Joining me tonight will be our very own Patricia Addy Gentle, Bill Jake's Place Executive Director, Arthur Anston, and Yoga for Diabetes author and founder, Rachel Zinman. Throughout this podcast, we're going to be featuring more great music from Teddy Pendergrass's second album entitled Life is a Song Worth Singing released in 1978, courtesy of Sony Music. You know, after suffering a spinal cord injury that left Teddy Pendergrass paralyzed from the waist down, he founded his own nonprofit, the Teddy Pendergrass Alliance, which aims to help people with spinal cord injuries. I just think there's something so noble about this man, and I had the pleasure to meet him in person. When I was working with Luther, After Luther suffered his stroke, Teddy Pendergrass came to visit him in rehab. And as I was telling our guests before I started the podcast tonight, I really feel he wanted to come and help motivate and inspire Luther to live the best quality of his life after a stroke. And I just found his presence so genuine and so warm that it's just, it thrills me to play his music tonight on the show for you. And I hope some of those feelings I feel translate through the airwaves and you're inspired throughout the year. Now, before we kick off with our next song, I just want to remind you, we've got some great things coming up. We've got a Valentine's Day themed baking party at DivaBetic with Stacey Harris, known as the Diabetic Pastry Chef. That's happening in February on Wednesday, February 9th from 7 to 8 p.m. on Eventbrite. And also, I'm kicking off a whole new series of listening parties on Zoom. You could find out more about that on Eventbrite, too. We'll be playing Luther's first album ever when he was known as the group Luther, not Luther Vandross, on Cotillion Records. And uh, Leon Petrosin, who's a huge fan and also Luther Vandross historian, will be my co-host on that Zoom listening party for you to enjoy. But right now, let's get back to our musical inspiration, Teddy Pendergrass. You know, um, a lot of music insiders and fans thought his decision to leave Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and pursue a solo career was not uh, the best idea. 
But after the release of this album, there was no doubt that he made the right decision. He was the hottest male vocalist in R&B. He released platinum albums, headlined sold-out concerts, and even had his own line of Teddy Jeans for women. Here's a snippet from the album's title track, written by a songwriting team of Tom Bell and Linda Creed. Here's Life is a Song Worth Singing, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. You hold a key in the palm of your hand. Use it. Don't bring your life on a match. Change it. Only you generate the power to decide what to do with your life. Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic. And if I feel a little, sound a little congested or nasal, um, it's just because it's cold in New York. But I will tell you that I did test positive with COVID several weeks before the holidays. And even though I had both vaccinations, a booster, and the flu shot, I still tested positive. But fortunately, I had very mild symptoms. So later on the show, I'm going to be talking about the vaccine and how it affects her blood sugars with Patricia Addy Gentle. But right now, it's time to meet my next guest. 61 million adults in the U.S. are living with diabetes. Uh, I mean, excuse me, are living with disabilities that impact major life activities such as mobility. Over 16 million adults with disabilities have diabetes. My first guest is the executive director of Build Jake's Place, a nonprofit that brings all-inclusive playgrounds to New Jersey, or as my guest likes to say, a place for everybody of every ability. Please welcome Arthur Anston to the show. Hi, Arthur. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And thank you for being a Teddy Pendergrass fan. I, I, I think I'm not the only person who got to meet him in person. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I'm a huge Teddy Pendergrass fan. I love music in general, but uh, I grew up in the South Jersey area right outside of Philadelphia. So the sound of Philadelphia is uh, my type of music. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Teddy Pendergrass for sure. <laughs> and you did get a chance to actually meet him in person. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So, um, again, going back to The Sound of Philadelphia, I'm a huge Patti LaBelle fan. And uh, well over 10 years ago, uh, she did a reunion tour with her group LaBelle, and uh, they were down in Atlantic City. And uh, I'm a wheelchair user. I was born with spina bifida. And uh, where my seat was, Ted Pendergrass, he ended up coming and sitting right next to me. Uh, very briefly, but uh, I had a chance to speak with him, and, and he was very surprised uh, that I knew who he was and that I knew his music because uh, 10 years ago, I was 30 years old, so uh, I was maybe even a little younger than that, uh, depending on when the tour was. I can't remember what year it was exactly, but he uh, sat next to me, and I had a chance to tell him how uh, his music was just so great to me and and uh, how, how I just love listening to his music and what an inspiration he was to me, how he kept going after his uh, accident that he had that left him paralyzed and 
how he kept his career going after that, what an inspiration it was to me. So I'm very grateful I had that opportunity. I bet. No, I, I felt the same way. So let's back up for a minute and just talk a little bit about spinal uh, bifida and how that affected you, because it is one of the most common neurotube defects in the U.S., and it, it affects between 1,500 and 2,000 babies out of 4 million births each year. So um, tell us a, bit, a little bit about the disease, what, what level of it you have, and, and um, I want, we want to hear more about your life. So tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, as you said, spina bifida is a very common neural tube defect, and uh, I was born with it in 1981. So I just recently turned 40 years old back on Thanksgiving, actually. And um, for me, it impacts my lower limbs. So it impacts my leg muscles. My leg muscles are very weak. So I cannot stand or walk without the use of leg braces or crutches. And uh, for long distances, I do use a wheelchair. And if I'm out for most of the day, I'll, uh, you'll see me in my wheelchair. But I am able to walk with the use of the leg braces and crutches. It also impacted my uh, bowel and bladder uh, function. So I've, I've had many surgeries to help correct uh, a lot of things. And um, so I, I do have to catheterize my bladder every four to six hours uh, to empty uh, my bladder. And uh, it, it primarily just uh, impacts my mobility uh, for the most part. And um, like I said, I turned 40, so I've lived with this all of my life and I have um, definitely found ways to adapt and um, manage life and, and live a, uh, a very fun life, actually. Well, and you and I met a couple of weeks ago, and I was just so overwhelmed by your enthusiasm and just the upbeat attitude you have. And I, I thought some of our listeners who might be living with a complication, who might be kind of down, could get a little bit of inspiration from you. So you mentioned uh, just recent, right now that you had about 14 surgeries when you were a child, and there were numerous setbacks as well as like slow healing that went on through those surgeries. I'm just wondering how you face those challenges and what you could offer to others who might right now be just feeling like asking themselves, is it really worth it? The one thing I can say is, yes, it's definitely worth it. You will have your setbacks and challenges that pop up, but it is so worth uh, just to keep going. And the one thing I can say that has helped me is my support team, surrounding myself with positive people and also people who will allow me those moments to be sad and to be frustrated and to uh, yell and say some not nice words sometimes. Uh, but then those same people will say, okay, you had your moment. Now let's continue and let's, let's keep moving. I, my name is Arthur Aston. So it's two A's. So I call my, my friends and family, my A team, uh, uh shout out to the, uh, old, uh, show from the eighties. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I just, I would say surround yourself with good people who, again, who will allow you to have those moments where you're not feeling well and, and say, okay, that's fine. But then uh, also uh, the ones that will uplift you and say, all right, let's keep moving. And you've also mentioned on numerous interviews that you allow yourself to have a bad day every once in a while. Can you just explain how that also helps keep you motivated 
when you're having a uh, down day? Yes. I, um, because of my disability, so the spina bifida, it's um, what I didn't explain in the beginning was uh, I had a hole in my back when I was born. So my spinal cord was exposed. And so that, um, where they closed the hole when I was a day or two old, I have a lot of pressure there in my back and I developed arthritis in my knees and my shoulders because I use my crutches or wheelchairs. Um, my shoulders always ache and hurt. So sometimes, as you mentioned, um, being cold in New York, I live in New Jersey and it's freezing here. It's in the twenties. So my body tenses up and sometimes, you know, you have that appointment or you're supposed to start work at nine o'clock and it's just like my body just won't move. Um, so I, I allow myself to say, okay, I'm not having a good day and, you know, I, I need to sit in the house and I need to, uh, or just lay in bed for a few more minutes or an extra hour um, and being okay with that. And that's a tough thing because I think uh, society as a whole, we are uh, constantly going and, and moving and, um, you know, sometimes we do just need to rest and be okay with that and not uh, not force ourselves to keep going um, because in, in my situation, having uh, my disability, it's it, I can overdo it and then end up being, you know, instead of allowing myself to have that one day or two days where I'm not feeling well, that can turn into a week or more because I injure myself or uh, overexert myself, and then that uh, turns into a longer recovery than if I would have allowed myself to rest the, the one or two days. Well, you know, I found when Luther had a stroke that the world just doesn't slow down with you, for you, even if you're in a wheelchair. And I think there's just so many things out there that the general public doesn't understand about disabilities. And you've done a lot of outreach not only the schools, but the corporations to kind of open people's eyes or just begin a discussion. What are some of the common myths or misconceptions do you think um, the general public has regarding people with disabilities? Yes. Uh, so through my, um, in addition to my work with Jake's Place, I have my own awareness company called Our View, O-U-R-V-I-E-W. And uh, I do speak in schools and, and to companies uh, through that uh, company. And then what I found is that people uh, tend to group everybody with a disability together. Um, and spina bifida is, as you said, it's a very common uh, birth defect that occurs in a lot of um, children, a lot of babies, and also adults uh, can find out that they have it. There is a hidden form of spina bifida. So when they hear words like spina bifida or when they hear uh, words like uh, deaf or hard of hearing or blind, they tend to group everybody together, and that's not necessarily always true. Every person, uh, there can be five people that have spina bifida, and we all have different, um, we're all impacted differently uh, by the uh, diagnosis. So I think that's a one, um, I think that's one thing I, I would love to stress is that if you find yourself uh, becoming friends with or, or being introduced to someone with a specific disability, find out about that individual person, find out what their needs are, what they need as far as uh, accessibility goes and accommodations go for them as an individual. Don't just assume that, uh, you know, because they have spina bifida, 
don't assume that, that they have to use a wheelchair because there are a lot of people with spina bifida who don't have to use the leg braces and crutches like I do. So it, it looks different for everybody. Um, even though the name might be the same, it, it, the diagnosis impacts everybody in a different kind of way. And Arthur, what can you um, share with people who might have just recently uh, had their life changed due to a complication? I mean, we have a lot of our listeners are dealing with neuropathy, heart conditions, blindness, hearing loss. And, like, I don't mean to group it together, but I just think when, when your life changes due to some kind of form of disability, it, it has to be difficult. And I'm just wondering, like, what words of wisdom can you tell these people just to want to go on with their lives? Because I, I think it would just be daunting, you know, like if you were Teddy Pendergrass and woke up the next day in the hospital after having sell, sold out concerts and found out you had a spinal cord injury. I, I think um, most importantly is to, I would say, acknowledge that, that uh, new thing, acknowledge the hearing loss or the vision loss, acknowledge it, and um, it, it will take time to, uh, to accept it. But I would say grieve that because, grieve that loss because it is a loss, um, a feeling like you mentioned with neuropathy. And um, for me, I, even though I was born with my disability, it still took time for me to really be okay with having my disability because I grew up around children and my friends and family who were doing all kinds of things that I couldn't do. And it's very frustrating. So I would definitely say allow yourself that to be frustrated and, um, you know, but get through it, push through it. Um, And also, again, just realize that it takes time to arrive at a level of acceptance and just, um, you know, just don't give up and, and realize that you can, uh, you know, that you can make it through. And if there are groups, uh, support groups, I would encourage you to, um, you know, join support groups and find people who are experiencing similar uh, situations as you are just to talk it out. Uh, Because there are sometimes, uh, you know, in my life I can recall where nobody really understood what I was dealing with because nobody else in my family or my friends group had spina bifida. So, uh, you know, and again, every spina bifida uh, experience is different for every individual, but to connect with someone who can say like, okay, I've had something similar to that happen to me is, uh, you know, can be very helpful and uh, very positive for, for one's uh, mental health and, and just to, to feel better that you're not, you know, you're not alone. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, we all want to be accepted and welcome, but there are several just real-life barriers preventing someone with a disability from being welcome. And I'm just, like, the frustration, the anger, maybe the blame surrounding it would be a difficult task. You somehow taking the challenges that you're faced, and you said you applied those challenges to motivate you when you're facing obstacles, like when you're um, applying for a job. Can you explain how you took some of that, the frustration of, just life in general and channeled it into kind of overcoming the hurdle of finding a job that worked within your lifestyle? Yes. It, um, it, it was, it was very difficult for me to find a job. I majored in psychology and a lot of the um, psychology practice has moved to 
the clinician going to where the client is instead of the clinician having an office and uh, the client coming to them. And, uh, you know, so that, that became very difficult for me because I, like I said, I'm a wheelchair user. I use crutches, so I couldn't quite walk up steps all the time. And, and they're just, it's just not safe for me to do that over and over again. Um, you know, so I, I had to really just evaluate and, and pivot from where I thought my life would be going into the world of psychology um, and just realizing that there, there would be something that came up for me and, uh, you know, just it, it's hard to not get discouraged. And I definitely was discouraged for uh, quite a while and, uh, you know, would always think of a, a why, you know, why me kind of situation and why is this happening to me? Why can't I find a job? Uh, what's wrong with me? And um, I just had to realize that that is not where I was meant to be. And again, that took a very long time to, to get there. Um, but I definitely, um, you know, got to a place where I could say, okay, this, that job was not for me then. And um, I'm, at this point, I, at 40 years old, I can say I'm glad those jobs weren't for me because I, I definitely uh, feel like I am working and, and doing the, the work that I'm supposed to be doing in life. I know, and I, I applaud you for that. And I want to take a minute before we end this interview to talk a little bit about Build Jake's Place and the adoptive, uh, adaptive playgrounds you're building that are all-inclusive. Tell us a little bit about that work because I think it is amazing. I want more people to know about it. Uh, thank you. And uh, Jake's Place is a nonprofit. We are out of uh, Camden County, New Jersey, and uh, we build inclusive playgrounds, as you mentioned, a playground for everybody of every ability. And uh, we have two Jake's Place playgrounds currently right now. One is in Camden County in Cherry Hill, and the other is in Burlington County in uh, Delran Township. And we, in 2018, we had a law passed in New Jersey that's called Jake's Law, which will allow um, townships to apply for Green Acres funding to build more inclusive playgrounds. And we are currently working with six townships to build new playgrounds through the, uh, throughout the state of New Jersey. It was seven, but uh, back in October, we opened up uh, another inclusive playground in uh, Robbinsville, which is, I believe, in uh, Mercer County. And these playgrounds are just a place where children with and without disabilities can come together and also adults with and without disabilities can come together because there are people uh, who are adults that have disabilities uh, that have children. So, and for somebody like me, I don't have children, but my friends do. Uh, I can meet them at a place like Jake's Place and enjoy full access of the playground. We have ramps and uh, it, it's just a, a great place where everybody just um, just plays together and, and you don't see the disability uh, because the person with the disability can enjoy all of the features of the playgrounds, regardless if they are uh, blind, deaf, hard of hearing, and uh, if they have mobility devices like crutches or wheelchairs, they can access every part of these playgrounds, which is um, a great thing to see because when I was coming up, they, these playgrounds did not exist. So I am grateful to be a part of an organization that is um, helping to make that change in the state of New Jersey. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Arthur, and good luck to you on all these endeavors. And definitely we'll post about Build Jake's Place on our website so people can learn more about the fantastic work you're doing. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. We love any guest who name drops Pat LaBelle, so that you you got us right from hello. <laughs> All right, straight ahead, straight ahead, Pat uh, Patricia Addy Gentle. I was going to say Pat LaBelle, but no, it's our it's our favorite Patty. Patty uh, Addy, uh, Patricia Addy Gentle joins us to talk about how the vaccine impacts your diabetes. Uh, right now, though, it's time for more music. Arthur and I love them. Teddy Pendergrass' life worth, uh, song worth singing was a, an artistic and commercial triumph. It positioned him as a sex symbol who was able to showcase his versatility and robust voice to an even greater range. Now let's hear the biggest hit off the album. It's entitled Close the Door. Uh, It spent several weeks at number one and actually ultimately led uh, Teddy Prendergast to win an American Music Award for Best R&B Performer and the Grammy nomination um, for for this album. So let's hear Close the Door courtesy of Sony Music. Baby, I got so much love to give And I want to give it all to you Close the door No need to worry no more Let's bring this day to a pleasant end Girl, it's Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I was just hanging on my seat for him to say, come on, baby. Uh, what a great song. I can listen to that song over and over again. This album is so good from the top to the bottom. You just have to take a minute and enjoy Teddy Pendergrass and just revel in his artistry. It's, it's amazing. Um, it's time to focus in on what's going on right now in these unprecedented times with our very own Patricia Addy Gentle. Before we bring her on, I just want to tell you that even though there's been rigorous clinical trials to determine the safety and efficiency of all three vaccinations that are available in the U.S., there's still a lot of people with lingering doubts about getting the vaccine, and many people with diabetes wonder how it impacts their blood sugars. So we wanted to address that tonight. So please welcome to the show, Patricia Addy Gentle. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Max. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and thank you so much for joining us again this year, going into our 12th year. 
it means so much to me that I get to partner with you every month to kind of raise awareness and help inspire people with diabetes to live better lives. My pleasure. So this is a big topic. I mean, we have Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson, and a lot of people with diabetes uh, are at higher risk for the illnesses related to COVID. And they're wondering, is um, we, we want to, I'm so, I'm freezing right now, so I'm, my head is everywhere. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about, uh, we know people with diabetes are at higher risk for illnesses related to COVID, but what can they do to lower their diabetes health-related risk? Well, they uh, should practice pretty much the same guidelines as anyone without diabetes. Um, the hand washing, the wearing the mask, and social distancing, avoiding the large crowds, and frequent uh, hand washing, and of course, immunizations, um, either of the three um, vaccines have been approved, but we are recommending either Pfizer or Moderna, and then the booster after the two injections. And that has been proved to lower the effects of any serious illness or death from COVID-19. And so, of course, we know the statistics and we know that um, the disease is still rampant. Uh, the virus is out there. And so anything that can be done to help eliminate your risk or I, I, I guess I should say to decrease the risk of getting COVID is in your favor. So if you have diabetes, knowing that uh, resistance knowing that um, you're immunosuppressed, then the vaccine is highly recommended. And what do you say to um, also, people who are wondering how the vaccine affects their blood uh, glucose levels, Patricia? What do you say to our listeners who might be questioning the impact on their diabetes if they do get vaccinated? Well, of course, um, we are recommending frequent blood sugar tests, um, and that should be done anyway, but even you might want to up that a notch just to see once the vaccine has been given what the effects are. It's individualized. Some people may see that they're having high. Some people may not have any effect whatsoever. Um, it's different in the way that we all metabolize. It's different the way that our bodies respond to different disease. And so the vaccine is no exception. So once, once the vaccine has been given, of course, checking the blood sugar and being knowledgeable about what to do if there is a high. And, of course, we always would recommend that the A1C is within the target ranges. So set goals know what your provider is looking for, know what you are looking for, and know how your body responds. And the only way to really know what that response is on an individualized level is to check frequently. And do you think if someone with diabetes already had COVID that they don't need to get vaccinated or should they get vaccinated? 
They should. They still should be vaccinated. The newest data is showing that vaccines provide better protection um, against the variants than your natural immunity, even after you've had the infection. And so if you have had COVID, research would suggest that you still have some natural protection from your own antibodies, but the vaccine will give you added protection. So it is highly recommended that um, a person who has had the virus would still go ahead and get the vaccine once the uh, virus has dissipated from them. And what about those lingering doubts that someone may or may not have that it was just these vaccines were developed too quickly to be safe? Uh, what has your research that you've done lately shown you that you could share with our listeners? You know, Max, I too felt that the vaccine was developed real quickly, but uh, through my research I'm finding that uh, it, it, the clinical trials were being done even prior to the release of the vaccine, and the efficacy has been proven uh, the vaccine was released in today's modern society where we have technology. We're able to do things a little quicker than what um, we knew as tradition before. And so I had that skepticism myself, but I was still determined that um, I was looking at statistics and how many people were being affected, the death rate, the hospitalization rate. I was looking at all of those things, and I knew that um, I felt that it would be in my favor to get the vaccine. And so as soon as it was released, I was out there uh, ready and willing and um, have gotten both vaccines and the booster. And how has your church community reacted? Have they been have you found that a lot of people have been vaccinated and gotten the booster? Has there been, have you found that there's been hesitation in the Atlanta area when it comes to faith-based communities? Well, I haven't really touched base um, on that type of a um, scale, I guess, but I do know that a lot of my um congregation called me. A lot of people wanted to know, where do I go? Um, You know, it was really hard at first to get appointments. And so I had to step in and find centers and sites where uh, vaccines were a little easier to get. And I provided that information for a lot of people. And so I would say that just as many of those people who have contacted me, there's the same number if not more, who are still hesitant. And so I would still think that it, the awareness, the education, all of that is still very much needed throughout society, including the faith, faith-based community. Well, and also, you know, you just pointed out one thing, this access to care. And you heard me talking to Arthur earlier. We're playing the music from Penny Panagrass. We really want to focus tonight on some of our listeners who are dealing with diabetes, health-related complications, and how if mobility is a factor or has been decreased, how some of these things really do challenge you. So let's take a minute and talk about this topic because it is really important to me that we 
that everyone out there knows that we're embracing them and we want them to be part of our community and we want them to hear the inspiration that Arthur shared and his upbeat attitude about taking one day at a time, facing challenges, and when you have a bad day, take a break. So I, I want to dive into this next topic for a minute. So what are some of the common complications that people with diabetes may experience if, it's misdi- if they're mismanaging their diabetes, we should say? Because we always say it's a, compl- it's a, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean if you have diabetes, you're going to have a complication. But if it's mismanaged, here are some of the complications. The most common complications that we think about uh, are those things that cause disability are amputation and blindness. So we see a great number of clients who end up with amputations primarily because of circulatory compromise and neuropathy. But when you stop and think about the numbers of people who have heart disease, and circulatory problems, then it's alarming to think that those same people are the ones who have strokes and heart attacks, which can also cause a lot of disability or the inability to function um, the way that a person has been accustomed to functioning. And so when there is a disability from a stroke, or a heart attack, then there, of course, is a lot of rehabilitation that has to occur, as well as with amputations leading to rehab. But when I stop and think about those three things, I'm also thinking about kidney dialysis. We can't leave that out because it definitely, although we don't look at that as being a disability, but it definitely causes a level of functioning that a person has not been accustomed to, even the rigorous amount of hours that are spent on dialysis. So kidney failure is a complication, but the disability of changing your routine, not being able to do those things that you normally do um, is, is a great, uh, it's a tremendous load on the psyche. And as I was doing a little research, I read a lot about depression. And we don't see depression as, we don't usually look at depression as being a disability. But when you take a look at it and you think about the way that a person uh, develops coping mechanisms or the lack thereof, and the way routines change, the mobility, the function, the slowing down, not being interested in things that they're normally interested in, it just heightens my level of awareness when I'm doing an assessment. And I'm thinking, you know, sometimes, so many times, uh, we kind of floss over that depression screening, but depression could play a large factor in Um, the disabilities that people have. And so we need to look at depression as, I wouldn't say a cause of disability, but definitely being factored into disabilities. I wholeheartedly agree. So I guess my final question is, like, with those patients who have seen their quality of life deteriorate or decrease a little bit, 
how do you get them to become compliant with their self-care and stay on track with trying to achieve some healthy outcomes regarding their A1Cs or their blood sugar levels? How do you, how do you how how are you working to motivate them and encourage them to kind of move forward? In my practice, I just continue to present reality. I continue to, um, I guess, to just use best practices and to talk about, or even if there is someone uh, who can give a testimonial who have gone through some of the things that we're talking about. Um, But it's a mystery because, There are people who listen and change, and there are those who look at this as being inevitable. It's like, okay, I have diabetes. There's nothing I can change. No matter how hard I work at it, I will still end up with this, this, or that. You know, my parents, my aunts, my uncles, my relatives, whoever they have known in their circle who did uh, end up with disability, sometimes it's hard to change that mindset that that's preventable or you don't have to go that route. And so it's, it's, it's really hard, and sometimes it gets to be a vicious cycle, but it doesn't stop us as educators from doing our due diligence in trying to present reality and showing that, you know, here's a good story. Here's someone who ended up, uh, started out the same as you, or maybe had these same kinds of symptoms, but look how things turned around. And so those are the good things that we can do, and we can still present and still show that it's not so much doom and gloom, and there are some good stories behind all the dark clouds. I love that. And I also love the way you brought in kidney disease and and depression into the conversation i think just opening the door rather than closing the door (laughs) to those conversations allowing people to talk about that would be really helpful so thank you patricia all right coming up thank you rachel zinman joins us rachel zinman joins us from south africa to share a guided meditation as well as tell us about herself uh tell uh, talk to us about what she tells herself first thing in the morning to motivate herself so in managing her type 1 diabetes but first, let's hear some more music. Here's Only You from Teddy Pendergrass's second album, courtesy of Sony Music.
No, I needed that dance break. If you've got any questions for me or any of our guests tonight, you know, you could always reach out to us on the Diva blog or on Diva Medic's Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest pages, and we'd love to hear from you and answer your questions. My next guest is Rachel Zinman, a Byron yoga teacher, uh, teacher trainer who has been teaching yoga for over 20 years and practicing for over 30. She's also a singer-songwriter and the author of Yoga for Diabetes, available on Amazon. She made time to join us in this pre-recorded tape to continue our tradition of presenting a guided meditation on our January podcast. Let's listen to the first part of our interview with Rachel Zinman. Hi, Rachel. Uh, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? How have you been holding up through all this unprecedented, unpredictable time? I'm good. Um, there's been a lot of ups and downs, but uh, overall, I, I really can't complain because I'm in such an incredibly beautiful place here in South Africa. And, um, you know, everything has been very smooth for me on, on a personal level. So everything is good. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, you know, right now it's been like an emotional roller coaster, mental roller coaster for everyone because everything keeps changing daily. And I get a lot of inspiration lately from Mary J. Blige's new empowering song, Good Morning Gorgeous, because I just think it's such a great way to wake up. And in the song she writes, I wake up every morning and I tell myself, Good morning, gorgeous. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and say, Good morning, gorgeous. So I was wondering if you could tell us what you tell yourself first thing in the morning. How do you talk to yourself? Well, it's a, well, it's a great question because, um, you know, I'm really into yoga and I specifically uh, have studied a lot of, um, you know, the deeper aspects of yoga. And so when I wake up in the morning, I try and catch my first thought. Instead of just, you know, sort of blindly going into the day and just kind of, you know, just starting that self-talk, I actually catch that self-talk. And I say, you know, is this really me? Is this really, you know, reality? And I come back to, for me, what is, you know, the reality, which is that I am inseparably part of everything and all my thoughts that are coming and going and all the ideas I have and all the beliefs I have are actually happening in my presence. So I can choose to get involved in them or not. So that's actually the first thing that I do. But then the next thing that I do is uh, something that I've sort of taken on from um, this uh, wonderful uh, diabetes psychologist, Dr. Mark Hyman, Heyman, Dr. Mark Heyman, is to say to myself, okay, today diabetes might be challenging, but I've got this. And that has uh, been my motto for a little while now, and it's actually really helping me. So... Um Okay, I, no, I think this is great advice, but I just want to get an example like earlier when you capture a thought and how you kind of channel it. Do you have any, does anything come to top of mind? Oh, well, you know, the first thing that always comes up is, you know, oh my God, you know, <laughs> what's my blood sugar? And because that's the first thing I have to do, obviously, is I have to get out my meter and I have to check my blood sugar. And so I try and catch that moment where I sort of, you know, the, the judgment of it comes up or the fear or the reality or whatever. And I just go, you know what, this thought is happening in my presence. It's not who I am. And I don't have to get involved in it. It's just a number and I don't have to take it personally. 
And you've been really outspoken on social media about just the trial and error of you working with some tools with self-care, including food and insulin. So when you, because over the past year, I know just from following you on social media, that you, you talk honestly about it. Can you share, like, some of the ways you've kind of overcome an obstacle? And we should tell everyone uh, also who might not be familiar with you, you have been living with type 1 diabetes for over a decade, I believe, now. And so maybe we should just, uh, when you share the answers, you should give people a little bit more uh, insight into your whole regimen to begin with. Yeah, so I have been living with diabetes for 13 years, for seven of those years, because I was diagnosed with latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. I did not use insulin uh, to manage my diabetes. So I didn't start taking insulin until 2014, and I didn't start taking short-acting insulin until 2018. And I really feel like I went into that experience of taking short acting for meals with a lot of naivete and not really understanding what I needed. And it was, in a way, I, I had a kind of a low-carb keto diet, which meant that I could basically keep my blood sugar level by hardly eating and hardly taking any insulin. Um, and I, you know, went through a radical shift in the last almost two years now where I was like, you know what, this is not sustainable for me. I'm getting a lot of uh, digestive symptoms. I'm getting, getting a lot of arthritis. I'm, my insulin sensitivity is no longer um, something I can rely on, and I, I need to make a change. And so I went from radically from a keto, low-carb diet to a high-carb, vegan, low-fat diet. And in that process, obviously, I had no skills in how to manage um, the food with insulin and how my body responds to different foods. So I went through a whole process of slowly, slowly trying to work out, you know, how do I react to a potato? What does my body do with mung beans? You know, how, how do I do this and do that? And, and it felt very overwhelming at times and really scary. And um, I finally found my needed to reach out and get support and actually get some help from a diabetes dietitian to really, you know, we, and we work together every two weeks for me to really work out, you know, how I can incorporate uh, a range of foods into my diet and how my body personally responds to those things. Um, Keep bearing in mind at the same time that I had a lot of um, fears and uh, a lot of kind of my, my mindset was very strict and controlled. And so one of the first things, the first tools that she gave me was to think about my uh, management of my diabetes rather than thinking of it as a tightrope and that what it, you know, if I had one number that was too high and one number that was too low that, you know, I was going to fall off, fall off the tightrope, tightrope. She said to me, think of it like a balance beam, you know, like you've got a little bit of leeway there and you've got a little bit of room. And so we started like that and then slowly, slowly, you know, being willing to let my blood sugar go a little bit higher in an experiment or let, you know, and, and manage the lows, you know, changing kind of what my range, the range I was willing to work in has actually really, really changed how I feel when I wake up in the morning, when I head into my day, because I don't feel like I'm walking on the tightrope tight anymore. I feel like I'm on a, a balance beam. Now I kind of feel like I'm on a bridge, actually. <laughs> I've widened it that far. 
and I feel like I have a lot more freedom with food and, and um, yeah, that whole process. So it's been extremely liberating for me. And for the first time the other day, I had two pieces of toast with avocado and mushrooms and tomato and spinach. And that's like a, we used to be a normal breakfast for me before I was diagnosed with diabetes. And I never thought I would eat that again and actually come out of it with normal blood sugars. And I did. And so that was like a huge, you know, a huge win. Oh, no, I can hear it in your voice. I'm like, I want to be Rachel Zimmerman right now. <laughs> You're like so <laughs> – uh, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's amazing. And, again, like I, I really appreciate kind of talking about that there were little stumbles along the way to getting to the avocado toast. And, and those are the things that I think listeners are always challenged with. You know, is this going to be the one that topples me? Or is it something I could get over? So when you did hit some of those rocks in the road, so to speak, or, you know, fell off the tightrope mentality, like what, is there any kind of phrase you told yourself, Rachel, to get you to know that you could have the confidence to get over it? Yeah, I think for me it was about upper limits and lower limits, you know. And and so I just said said to myself, okay, so, you know, if you get to that upper limit, just remember, it's not going to do permanent damage. You know, like that's what, what my diabetes educator and what my um, dietitian said, you know, that my overall time and range is so good that if I reach an upper limit, it's not the end of the world, you know, and to try and get my head around that. And, you know, something that I wrote about recently in my blog was about, you know, the three things that have really helped me. And one is, Um, you know, getting up in the morning and telling myself that I've got this, even though it's challenging, which I've already shared. And the other one was strategy, you know, getting really good at strategizing and having a good strategy for dealing with those, those really challenging moments. It might be a mental health strategy. Um, It might be, uh, you know, an actual insulin strategy, you know, knowing that you need to split a dose or you need to do an extended bolus or, that, you know, you need more up front or, you know, something called a fat supplement that I didn't know about where, you know, you can account for the fat in your diet and just having a really good strategy and having the tools. And then the third thing is having a vision for yourself. Like, how do you want to feel? You know, how do you want to, um, yeah, how do you want to um, feel at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month. And um, those three things have really been tools that I've used for those rocky moments. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And in that time, we're going to hear some more great music from Teddy Pendergrass. But this is your opportunity right now to make sure that you're in a comfortable place and you're getting ready with your mindset for our guided meditation, which will be coming up next right after we hear more great music from Teddy Pendergrass, courtesy of Sony Music. Here's one of my favorites again. I love this whole album, so they were all my favorites. So um, here's It Don't Hurt Now, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. Every I just sit at home and 
But now all that has changed I found someone to ease my pain And you know All right, welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. You know, if you take anything away from tonight with Teddy Pendergrass, it's also knowing that after his injury, he went on to record more great music and perform. And I hope you find that inspiring as much as you may find our guided meditation with Rachel Zidman. Um, Make sure to visit Rachel's website at rachelzidmanyoga.com for more inspiration and to read about her blog. But right now, it's time for this lovely tradition we have here at DivaBetic, where every year Rachel presents a guided, a short guided meditation just to help you get in that mind frame of a new year, new year, new you, excuse me, a new year, new you attitude. All right, here we go. Here's Rachel's guided meditation. I'm getting comfortable. All right. So I want to really take it into that whole idea of having a vision for yourself. And so... Um, If you're listening right now, you might want to really um, just think about what is it, you know, for the new year, what is it that you long to have for yourself living with diabetes, any kind of diabetes, you know, and it can be very small, like I just want to have a calm attitude, you know, with whatever's going on, or it can be massive, like I want to have, you know, I want to nail this. I want to nail my blood sugars this year. And, I, and like me, you know, I want to have pizza or avocado toast or whatever it is. So just to have a vision for yourself. And to do that, we're going to go into a practice or an, an imag- a visualization where we're going to invoke the sun. And in yoga, the sun represents the, um, that shining light that's ever-present. It doesn't go anywhere. Like right now I'm sitting here in my house and I'm surrounded by mist. But I know that the mist is just an illusion because the sun is always there, right? The sun is shining no matter whether there's clouds. And, and even though it seems like there's night and day, the sun doesn't move. So the sun is a beautiful um, metaphor for who we are, that we are that shining, ever-present self. And so the, the meditation is just to call in that strength and that energy of the sun and to, to use that to empower our vision. So that's the uh, meditation that I'm going to take everyone through. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So to start off with, we're going to take our four fingers and place them underneath our armpits and have the thumbs pointing upwards. And this is uh, called breath balancing pose. And it's just a beautiful way to balance the left and right sides of the brain. And so you're just going to settle in wherever you are. You can be seated on the floor or seated on a chair if you're listening. or Just be as comfortable as you, you like. You can lie down and do this. You don't have to be sitting upright. And then just start to feel how your breath flows in and out through your nose. And you might feel your ribs expanding into your hands. And then as you exhale, you might feel how the chest slightly moves away from your hands. And we'll just take a few breaths like this. 
And just noticing how that might settle you right down. Feel yourself letting go. And just being in the moment with your breath. And when you feel yourself settling down, just bring your hands down to rest on your thighs or in your lap. And visualize yourself sitting in the sun. You might like to imagine that it's actually a circle of light, like a light that clears away the shadow. And you can feel the sun on your eyelids. You can feel the warmth of the sun pouring onto the pouring in through the crown of your head and just lighting up your whole body. And the sun light isn't harsh, it isn't too hot. It's just the right temperature for you. And feel its nourishing, healing qualities. And just take a moment to breathe in the sunlight. And just letting go of anything that's external to that circle of light. Leave everything behind, all the challenges, all the worries, all the things that maybe cause reactions or responses. Just let it all go and just be in this beautiful, warm, nourishing circle of sunlight. And then take a moment to think about just a very simple vision for this next year or maybe it's the next month or this week or even today and it can be really simple like I just want to feel good today I want to have more confidence in managing my health I want to feel relaxed or it can be a grand vision, something you want to create in your life. You choose. And imagine that vision. It's, it's outside the circle, and you can see it. And then take that vision and bring it in. So it's sitting right in the center of your mind. And feel the light of the sun shining on that vision empowering that vision, bringing that vision to light. And for a moment, imagine yourself actually living that vision. And how does it feel? And hang on to that feeling. Maybe there's excitement there or joy, contentment, assuredness, courage. And whatever emotion is there, whatever feeling is there, let the sun bring life to that feeling. And just breathe it in. Just like when you walk into the sun and you feel so happy and clear and relaxed, knowing how that sun supports you. And feel your vision growing like how a plant with 
response to the sun. And just a few more moments now. Just maybe feeling a sense of relaxation, patience, gratitude. Whatever's there for you. And then gradually come back to breath in your belly. Just feeling the breath there. And then when you're ready, just gently opening your eyes and coming back. And thank you. Namaste. Wonderful. I feel, (laughs) I I love that tradition. And I, I want everyone tonight to know that, you know, challenges are real. And some days you might want to give yourself permission to stay in bed like our guest Arthur Anson said earlier. Or maybe you want to reach out to a friendly educator like Patricia Addy Gentle the way Rachel did when she wanted to have that avocado toast and figure out a way to include it in her diabetes wellness plan. Or maybe you just want to put on some music and think of us and know you're not alone. After 11 years of doing this podcast, going into my 12th year, My vision is just to have an amazing year with all of you and continue doing what we're doing. And I want to thank you because for the past 19 years, since I've dedicated myself to diabetes outreach, I wake up with the same passion every morning with the same vision of just wanting to help someone keep their house at home and prevent a diabetes complication. And I do it all as part of the legacy of Luther Vandross, and I do it all for the fans who have kept the music alive as well as the memories. So thank you so much. Now I'd like to take a minute to thank my guests and uh, make sure you check out our uh, Zoom event coming up in February with the Diabetic Pastry Chef. Check out our Facebook pages, our, our YouTube pages. Check out all our guests' websites and get some encouragement. And remember, every diva and every dude has an entourage, and we're so glad to be part of yours. Well, Teddy Pendergrass has passed away in 2010. His legacy and his story continue to be told further cementing his stature as one of the greatest vocalists in R&B and pop culture music history. Um, The foundation that he founded with his wife assists spinal cord injury survivors, and it was established in 2015. I think the thing about him that is so amazing is that he was always trying to help people focus on their care rather than on the cure and open the eyes of the general public to how important it is to embrace people who are facing a disability or living with a disability, and I was going to say facing some kind of um, setback in their mobility, but anyone living with a disability, make sure to include them in their life as well. It's so important, I think, that we stay together. So here's the final song tonight. It's called Cold, Cold World, and uh, it's courtesy of Sony Music. Have a wonderful night, and thanks again for joining us for another great year of podcast. Oh, my gosh, I made a mistake. Here we go. <laughs> hey, it's the first time I've ever done that. You know, hey, it's still a live show, everyone. All right, here we go. We're going to say a final goodbye. Let's stay happy and healthy together all year long, and hopefully Max will play Cold, Cold World. 
<laughs> I can't wait to get the emails on that mistake. All right. <laughs> From one friend to another, it seems that something's been bothering you. If you've got a minute, maybe there's something that I can say or do. See, I realize that life has its changes and sometimes things just don't go right. But here's one thing I want you to think about as you lie in your bed tonight. When the whole world seems against you And your whole life seems unborn And all you ever wanted Was a little peace I can understand just how you feel But a little bit of peace of mind Nowadays it's so hard to find You can't even find it In your sleep Here's some advice that I think you should keep And maybe Yeah. 